Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos. I am Dr. Natasha Anderson and I am your host. I'm really excited about us being back. So to give you a brief idea of the history of stemming in stilettos, I need to go back five years ago. That is when stemming in stilettos first came into being. It was an idea that I had and I wanted to do it. So I did. I just started. Uh, I had horrible mics, didn't know exactly what I wanted to say, didn't know what I wanted it to be just knew that I needed my voice to be out there, to be heard, that we needed to be out here um, talking about minority women in STEM. And that is the focus of Stemming in Stilettos. This whole podcast is built to honor the stories of minority women in STEM. I plan to tell as many stories as possible using this platform. I plan to have on as many guests as possible um, minority women in STEM telling their stories in their own voice, speaking to their realities, talking about their situations, their issues, their triumphs. So I think it's important that we have a way to get these stories out to the general public. And I'm hoping that my audience continues to grow. Over the past five years, we've tackled subjects such as, um, Tackling the T and the E in STEM, we have talked about the importance of where all are all the women in STEM generally um, and for specifically minority women. We've talk, talked about some of the issues surrounding why there's a dearth of women, minority women in STEM. We have had guests on that told us about their backgrounds and how they've persisted through some really tough and harrowing um, things that happened to them while they were in a STEM career. And we'll continue to do those things. I'm really excited about the the potential and the opportunity that we have. Um, But today, uh, I really want to talk about me. I want to give you a um a brief biography about 
who Dr. Natasha is and why I feel like this is the best way for us to engage. And I'll make it a point to do so um, every time you hear my voice. I am actually getting used to the sound of my voice. So a little bit about me. Um, In the grand scheme of things, I'll tell you a brief synopsis and then give you a little bit more detail. So basically, I grew up in Georgia and was educated there, went to Georgia Tech, transferred to Southern Polytechnic State University um, in Georgia, received a degree in mechanical engineering technology. I was a mechanical engineer for 10 years. I have built everything from football stadiums to train cars to cars and some and a lot of little devices in between. So my career um, as a mechanical engineer sort of led me into studying um, <clears throat> studying women in STEM because I realized that in many instances I was the only woman and almost always the only minority in the room. So it really became intriguing to me. So I left the profession not because I was angry or mad or upset or had bad experiences or felt like I wasn't skilled enough. I left it because I said, you know, I need to be a part of the solution to this problem, which to me at the time meant that I had to be in some form of education on the front end of it. So if we could introduce it to to our kids early, then we wouldn't have a dearth on the other side. So I left. I became a teacher. I taught high school mathematics and engineering for four years. I was able to engage with a lot of students and, and have formed relationships with them that still exist to this day. I would like to believe that I've made a little bit of a dent in the <laughs> in the numbers um, by doing what I did back then. I left the teaching profession, meaning the K-12 arena. Um, I literally went to one of our local community colleges for a summer job, and two weeks later they offered me the full-time position, which I took. And that led me down a path I could not even have imagined. I always call myself the accidental academic because I had no idea that this would be my life. So went to the local community college, started there as a faculty member, taught engineering, um, engineering technology, engineering graphics, some math and some physics classes for a long while. Then I moved to become the director of STEM initiatives. And then I moved to being a dean over several different different programs. So, um, and then I left and started my own business where now I help people um, develop STEM programming, um, do training for teachers, and um, I speak internationally and here in the United States. I talk on on many topics, but of course I'm an expert in STEM and STEM education. Um, And Minority Women in STEM. So that's my heart. That's my heart group. That's who I want to reach. That's who I want to support. 
um, that and teachers. So those two groups are where I live and um, and breathe. And I, I just feel like we should be doing more to assist them to assist them in being successful in those areas. So that's me in a nutshell. But what I really want you to know is that my road to success, because of course, you know, when you tell the synopsis, it's everything. Okay, these are the highlights. But my road to success wasn't necessarily the the easiest. Um, I had to overcome some things, some very personal Um, I will tell you that when I was in the third grade, my mother was told that I was um, mentally disabled and that I would never read above a third grade level. And my mother literally rejected that on the spot. She said, that will not be my child's experience. And she went to work in helping to educate me and my brothers and sisters. So many of you who know me personally know that I am, um, I was born with my best friend. I have a twin sister who is an educator herself, and she's phenomenal and excellent. And I have two brothers. I have a younger brother and an older brother. So they are, they are the bread pieces to my sister's and I's sandwich. So um, my mother spent a large amount of time once once that was that is what she was told is that I would never read above a third grade level my mother rejected it and she said that you know we're going to spend every hour every waking minute almost uh, overcoming this so what that meant for me was I was always reading we we watched tv sure enough but we were always reading there was always a book we had to if my mother didn't buy me books, then we were donated books or we went to the library and got books from there, got books from school. And we had to pick not just, you know, books for the third grade. It was always, uh, you know, two or three levels above that. So we did that a whole lot. And we also had to write book. <laughs> we had to write book reports at home. So what that did for me was show me the importance of education and how important reading is and has always been to me. Um, it's the thing you'll find me doing even on my, my moments of off, you know, when I'm off. I'm always reading. So what, what that did also was uh, stem my, my love of learning so she infused it in everything that we did. So if we were riding in the car, we weren't listening to the radio all the times. We were doing multiplication tables. We were talking about history. We were reading signs on the street or on the back of cars. Um, we were playing games that that had us thinking critically about things. And so I, I um, give my parents all all the respect in the world and all the credit for any type of academic success that I have had, I give it all to them because they made it such a prominent part of my life um, that we couldn't not be successful. I'll tell you how successful we were, or she was, in in, in overcoming that diagnosis that they gave me. By the time I left to go to high school, because at the time, there were no middle schools, just to age myself even further. Uh, I was reading, and actually all of my siblings were reading, 
on a college level, by the time we left elementary school, we were that far advanced because we read every day and we were reading, we were reading the encyclopedia and things like that. So um, that, I, again, all hats off to my mother. She, she was the one who did that. Um, and then when I got into high school, we could branch out into different areas and notice that I really had an aptitude for math and science. I really understood it. Geometry was my favorite subject. I know some people are shaking their heads, but I just got it. I really liked proofs. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have any problems being called a nerd. That's just who I, I am and, and was then. Physics made sense to me. It was the, it was the science that made the most sense to me. So um, loved it. Didn't know how that was going to translate into a career at the time. Um, I had, I used to love to draw and I really thought that I was going to be a designer of houses. Didn't know the name of that career. I had a high school counselor that introduced me to En-ROADS. En-ROADS was a eye-opening experience. It still exists right here today. Um, I believe the website is inroads.org, please, or inroads.com. Please go there if you have a minority student who's interested in STEM. They have a wealth of opportunities available for your student. So I was involved in that program, was able to get in, get into it. Um, it had me going downtown, which for me, and, and I guess it's still true, it's still true for right now is that for a high school student, their, their world is about a 20 mile radius from their house. So being able to go downtown was like a huge, huge deal. And it broadened my horizons. I met a lot of people from a lot of different areas and we gelled together because we were in this class together. We all were assigned as interns. Um, I interned at an architectural firm and I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. When I went back to Enrose, and they they were they were covering different types of careers in engineering, that's when I thought, okay, wow, well maybe it's not architecture, maybe it's engineering, maybe that fits what what it is I'm supposed to do. Because from there, it was it came what came to me was that you know I spent my whole life being the student or being the girl or being the child that would tear up their toys just just because, not because I was destructive. Uh, my mother would probably have a different answer to that. But because I was curious as to why they worked. And actually, if I think really hard about it, I'm still curious about how things work. And that has been the thing that has pushed me more than anything else. So if I don't know a thing, I'm going to educate myself about it. If I'm curious about how it's work, I'm going to ask 5,000 questions and probably annoy some people because that's the way my mind works. And I think that that's what led me away from architecture into engineering. I applied at some of our colleges. Um, I was waitlisted at my dream college and I thought I was actually off to the University of Alabama. Uh, I was really excited to be, um, to be there, to be going there. And then I was taken off the wait list at Georgia Tech. And I went 
there. It was life-changing. I still have lifelong friends that I met there. I was able to conquer some of the classes there. And then I thought, wait, I don't know if this is really the place that I need to be. It was so big and huge, and, and it's even bigger now. So I transferred to what is now Kennesaw State. It used to be Southern Polytechnic State University. It is now Kennesaw State where the classes were a bit smaller. I was able to actually meet some of my professors and form relationships with them and ask the questions and get more in-depth instructions than I I believe that I would have at Georgia Tech. And I don't regret the decision to transfer schools and get my degree from, from there. Um, my first job took me all around the United States where I worked for a manufacturing plant that had locations all over the United States and I went there to basically find out what they do, how they do it so I could do my job better. I like I said earlier, I've built everything or been a part of the design team that have built stadiums to CVS drugstores to school cafeterias to some parking lots or parking decks. So I had my career so varied. Um, I had a wonderful time as a mechanical engineer, and I was good at that job. But I also noticed that there was there were unspoken rules being done. At my at the second job that I had, I remember being taken up to the roof and said, "You know, we need you. We need you to to basically sketch this piece of equipment here." Um, because what we need to have happen is we need you to make a 3D model of it and um, we're, we need, because we're going to redesign it. Okay, great. I'm, I don't think anything of it. Um, but they lock me on the roof of this building that is multiple stories high. And by multiple stories, I mean like 10. <laughs> I might be exaggerating just a bit. But it was really high. And truth be told, I was scared of heights. So um, it was really it was really scary when I realized that I was locked on the roof. The door was locked. I could not get down. I knew then that I was being hazed and that they were not expecting me to come back. I don't know how they thought or believed that I would get down off of uh, that building, but the thought was is that I wouldn't come back. And I knew that. I, I intrinsically understood that, okay, this is what that is. So when I walked back in the office and sat down at my new desk, the mouths were hanging open. And my thought was, you will not break me. You, you will not break me. Now, at the time, it didn't even dawn on me that this was illegal for them to do. I just was like, okay, well, this is, this is what has happened, um, but I'm going to come here, I'm going to do this job, and I'm going to blow it out of the water. And so what ended up happening there was is that I, I was a part of a group that had four young, uh, young adults. We had all probably just graduated from college not too long ago, and I ended up being the, the leader of that group. And so we did all of the 3D CAT work and design for that, for that small business for quite a long time before I left to um, go, go do a different aspect of mechanical engineering. Um, for those of you who don't know, mechanical engineering is probably the most generic 
of all of the engineering. It, it branches out into many different areas, and it was the thing that I really enjoyed the most about it is that I could design your piping, plumbing, HVAC systems. I could design train car parts or parts for cars. I could be an inventor if I wanted to. All of those things sort of encompassed being a mechanical engineer. So I left soon after having another experience where we were actually um, a part of a team that went to a military base to upgrade some of their facilities. And the general on base thought I was his secretary. He threw the paper on the desk and he said, you, you know, you're taking notes. And I had to basically say to the general, hey, sir, I am the mechanical engineer of record for your project. When I tell you, he turned all shades of red and it wasn't the most pleasant of meetings because he seemed to be mad at me for calling him out for making assumptions about what my role was in in the room. Go figure. So um, I left because I said I need to be a part of educating um, our community, young, black, gifted, young and black who were interested in doing STEM careers, I, I was like, we, we have to make sure that they are prepared for all of the stuff that comes along with entering into this field where you are the minority and you're already a minority, but how do you prepare someone to be the only one? How do you prepare someone to be the double minority? So not only are you a minority, you're black, um, but you're the only woman too, unless you have someone there to coach you through that, to help you through what that, what 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 comes with that, because it's a lot, it's it's a whole lot. So uh, that's a part of what I do now. It's it was a part of my thought back then when I became a teacher, and it it's still mightily important mentorship, and being there for girls, minority girls, and young women who are entering into the career, who are in college right now, who are having some experiences that they probably won't tell you about, which is sad, but true. Uh, I'm here for them. I, I, I am here for them because it's, it's important for us to help and assist them through. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think people will listen to this podcast to me, to our guests, because the advice and the experiences that will be dispensed is invaluable. And, and sometimes it's just helpful to hear someone's story so that you can see yourself or you can sympathize or empathize with that person. And it, it changes your mindset about a thing. And so that's why this podcast is so, so important to me and I'll continue to do it. Uh, I will find a guest host if I lose my voice to do it. So let me tell you where you can find me right now. I am on Blog Talk Radio and we'll continue, we'll continue to post them there. Um, we will be on iTunes soon and I will give you the updates when we make we make that connection you can find dr natasha on or dr tasha you can find me uh, on my website my website is dr tasha 
and that's www.drtasha.com. Now, now y'all know my name is not spelled like a normal Tasha, so follow me. It is D-R-T-O-S-H-I-A dot com. Y'all have it? So Tasha is spelled T-O-S-H-I-A. All right. So go there, learn a little bit more about me, how you can you can get in contact with me there. You can find me as Dr. Tasha 11 on Twitter. You can find me as Dr. Tasha on LinkedIn. You can find me, um, you can find the podcast Stemming in Stilettos on Facebook. And I am Dr. Tasha on Instagram as well. So I hope to be hearing from you guys soon. And I hope that you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming in Stilettos.